In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the striking elements of the Holy Scriptures is this truly beautiful symmetry that exists in a compilation, a library. After all, that's what the word Bible means, library. This symmetry that exists in a compilation that was written over, depending on how you want to count, between 500 and 1,000 years. It is a marvel that we sometimes lose sight of if we don't read Holy Scripture with our eyes open to its subtle details, its own use as a reference back upon itself, and the rather consistent theology and knowledge about God that grows in depth and wonder while it yet remains unchanged. This is part of the reason why we say the Holy Scriptures are inspired, written by mere men, yet guided by the Holy Spirit. One of the symmetrical moments that truly changed my life and my understanding of how God operates is the bookends that surround this library. Genesis 1 and 2, with the accounts of creation, and Revelation 21 and 22, the full and final fulfillment of God's plan for humankind and the setting of all things into their right and proper place. It is the beginning and end of history as we know and understand it, and there are some subtle points that make this such a rich and exciting, even joyful passage that it changes the way we view and see the world. And I think it is no accident that this reading from Revelation is selected for today, Rogation Sunday, the sixth Sunday of Easter. In Genesis 1 and 2, something that we sometimes gloss over is the commands that are given to the man and the woman in the beginning, right after the creation. And it doesn't matter which account you read. God tells them to multiply, to subdue the earth, to keep it, to till it, much like gardeners or caretakers. We sometimes use the word steward to describe this person, and the activity or description of what they do is stewardship, the act of taking care of something on behalf of someone else. We are stewards of the earth, stewards of all of God's creation here, and the call of the first men and women was not just a call to exist, to eat, drink, and be merry, but a call to take care of the world around us, to enable it to flourish, to protect it, and to cultivate this earth so that it produces good things of great beauty, like a stunning orchid or a dazzling bird of paradise to the ripe red tomato in our gardens and the sweet corn that we eat. It's also a call for us to care for the animals, be they livestock and beasts of burden, to the cute and loving dog or cat that sits on our lap, to the animals that are truly wild, as well as the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. And we too also create, we create an imitation of our God and Father, the ultimate creator. We create things that are works of art, 
buildings that defy imagination, music of unsurpassing beauty, and from the minerals of the earth, things like silver forks, necklaces and bracelets decked with fine gems and gold rings and watches. We use the elements of creation, the elements God has given us to create things ourselves. But then we move to the end of Holy Scripture and we find a new vision. In this vision, heaven is coming down to earth, colliding, if you will, with this world that we know, this world that we see even before our very eyes right now. And one of the images that St. John uses to describe this collision is the idea that there's no temple in Jerusalem because God is no longer dwelling there, or more correctly, God is dwelling with us. It is almost like a second incarnation. And this time the dwelling of God is not in heaven or in some remote temple, but is with us. God will be here with us. As this vision unfolds, we are shown that the projects of creation, the care for the earth, the working together of people in harmony, continues on. Heaven comes to us here. And as the restoration of all of creation takes place, one of the first things to happen is reconciliation, renewal. Restoring of humanity to where there is no more enmity, no more strife. The image of the leaves of the trees being used for the healing of the nations points to a vision of peace, concord, and a time when we once again share the resources of this good earth to bring healing to each person, to each tribe, instead of produce and food being used as a weapon against each other. This is part of the Christian hope that we sometimes either ignore or that we sometimes forget. Our hope lies not on God demolishing this world, destroying part of his creation because it is evil, but rather that God, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord, is working to restore this creation. And the restoration begins with each of us as individuals, but also of us as a corporate body, the body of Christ. And that restoration transforms us. And we therefore go out and transform this world also in the name of Jesus, seeking to do all the good works that he did. And that is why Rogation Sunday, something that has been lost in our new urban-centric living, is vitally important for us to understand about creation. Today, we remember that we rely on God's goodness, God's care, God's providence in creation for everything that sustains us. Yes, science has radically transformed the ways we grow food and the amount of food that we are able to produce. 
but we still rely on nature itself and the lessons we learn from the natural world to grow what we require to live. I recently read a small article about biospheres, you know, those great big uh, geometric dome structures, and one of the troubles they had in the early days. Roots were not growing as deep as they ought, and eventually trees in these biospheres were toppling over. And large plants just wouldn't sustain themselves. They'd grow up to a certain point and then cr collapse, crater in on themselves. What scientists learned was that we take something in nature for granted that was absent in these biospheres. The biospheres had no wind. The wind was essential for the growth of the roots of the trees and for the plant to learn to steady itself as it grew taller and taller and for it to grab more soil around it. We can build these artificial greenhouses and biospheres and the like, but there is no real substitute for the world around us. Now, one of the ways we live out this hope that we claim is by doing our own bit to restore creation. We talk often of restoring relationships with one another or restoring our lives into Christ or restoring the way we live into God's will. But one other way that we don't talk about as often is what role we have in restoring creation itself. And as with many things, there's a certain balance that is required for us to maintain always between using creation as it was intended and using creation the way it was unintended. The difference between using it goodly and using it badly. Just as we teach about stewardship of the church or to the church of time, treasure, talent, and usually teachings about tithing and almsgiving, so we must also recognize the ways that we are acting as either good stewards of this world or as lackluster stewards. So how do we become good stewards of God's creation? What should we look to and what does it look like? Well, first, we start with our own homes, our own places that we inhabit. How do we make our homes our yards, our gardens, maybe our lot, some acreage that we have into something that might resemble heaven. It isn't about the most expensive furniture. It isn't even about the most prime land, the most beautiful flower. But it's about how we bring order out of chaos. That is one of the reasons that some of our parishioners have been working on this courtyard and this lawn just outside these walls to make this place look a little bit more like it's part of heaven, part of the renewed creation. It's how we care for what we're given. Another way is to begin to become more conscious about our use of the resources we have. And to ask questions of ourselves, how wasteful are we? 
How much food do we throw out? How much water do we waste? Do we hoard things, maybe even to the point of spoiling, instead of sharing the produce that we have? And related to that is also the question of what do we eat? How much do we eat? Do we eat good and healthy foods? Or do we state our appetites on stuff that we know are not such good choices for our bodies? There's also the sharing of abundance, the sharing of the gifts that we have been given. One of the great joys that I have had is when, prior to COVID and everything, we would open up our house to welcome friends and visitors, sharing food that we had grown, taking meat off of the ranch, and being in fellowship and joy with each other. One friend of mine is a venter who makes wine out of berries that he finds on his farm and ranch. Another friend of mine keeps bees and shares his honey, his award-winning honey, by the way. He won first plate at the State Fair in Dallas a few years ago, so it's really, really fine honey. Um, but he shares that with us, giving us the sweetest natural food there is. And there is that reciprocal joy that abounds through the sharing and giving. For our part, we sometimes share the chili patine hot sauce made with the wild red peppers that grow just around our yard and just outside of it. And with them as well, and I think some of you have even tried it at coffee hour here a time or two. And that is part of what God intends and what his intentions were from the very beginning and what this vision from Revelation reveals. A world no longer stifled by greedy, lick-penny humanity, but by giving to each other out of the abundance of the harvest that we produce. Finally, there is the sacramental nature as well to what we use the earth for. It is, after all, the gifts of creation that we bring and present back to the Lord God during the Eucharistic feast. We offer gifts of bread and wine, asking God the Father to make them into the body and blood of Christ for us. If you notice during the offertory, what the priest, me or other priests, what we do is we don't simply just set the table for you all, the guests of the Lord, but the priest offers thanks first for each element that is used in the feast. That is the way it is with many of our sacramental rites. We use water for baptism, bread and wine for the Eucharist, oil at the anointing of the sick. We use the gifts of the world around us to help remind us and to demonstrate that inward grace through the outward and visible signs. Signs and tools given to us by God through the creation itself. Look for ways to not only live a spiritual sense of new creation and restoration, but look always for ways to begin to restore this earth into what it was intended to be, a paradise for humanity a place of abundance for all, and a place 
where the nations of the world can be healed by the leaves of the many and varied trees of the earth. Find ways to make the place where you live, the abode of your life, into a reflection of the goodness of God's creation. And do so. Do all these things to the glory of God and to anticipate the coming again of Christ who has and who will make all things new. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.